Let's open our Bibles now to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis 41. We'll begin reading in verse 53. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands. But in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph. What he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because of the famine was so sore in all lands. Thank God for his word. Let's bow together and seek the Lord's blessing. Our Father, we bow before you carefully, reverently, and Father, also thankfully. How thankful we are that sinful men and women like us, because of your mercy and your grace, because of the redemption that's in your Son, that we can come boldly before a throne of grace and call the God of heaven and earth our Father. We bow before you Fathers, your children, asking that you teach us, that you feed us, that you take care of us, that you provide for us. Cause us to look to thee and to, to depend upon thee as your obedient little children. And Father, I pray that this evening that you would especially bless this time of worship, that you give us a heart that hungers and thirsts after thee, a heart that that can receive and believe the things that have been prepared for us to hear. Father, that you enable us to, by faith, see the Lord Jesus Christ and run to him. Let each one of us leave here tonight resting in and rejoicing in Christ our Savior, finding him to be our all and in all. Father, I thank you for this place. I thank you for this family of believers that you've called together and Father, pray you continue to bless us, continue to bless your word, continue to bless us for thy great namesake, that this can always be a place where poor sinners can come and hear of the Savior. Give each of us the wisdom and the love and the compassion to carefully guard the unity of the Spirit that we have here, that we don't get pulled off on attention, but that we continue, each of us, focused on Christ alone. Father, we pray for our world at this time. Every day it seems like the world goes more and more and more off its rocker. Father, we're thankful to know that, that these things are, are not accidents, that they're directly in your control, in your will, in your purpose. Father, we pray that uh, that you'd give peace in the land, that you would that you would save us and preserve us from ourselves. And we do pray, Father, for those who are in times of great difficulty. There's those who we know of and those that we don't. Those who 
suffer silently. Father, we pray you'd undertake in their behalf in a mighty, mighty way to comfort and to heal. And Father, until such time as you're pleased to deliver them, I pray you'd give them a special portion of your presence to comfort their hearts. All these things we ask in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I will tell you that uh, from the time I first began feeling led to uh, go through the book of Genesis verse by verse, however long ago that was, uh, at that time I thought about the end of Genesis 41 and couldn't wait to get here. Now it's here. (laughs) believe the Lord might, may have given me some. Now, by way of uh, introduction, let me let me make this lay this groundwork so you can you can see where I want us to to go tonight. Now, by God's grace, we preach God's electing love for His people. We preach that because that's what the Scriptures declare. Father elected a people to save. He set His love upon those people and chose to save them even though they would never do anything to deserve it. The scriptures also declare that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth as a man to save God's elect from their sin. He came to save those that the Father gave him in divine election. He suffered and he died for the sin of the elect and no one else. He didn't suffer for the sins of every every man and every woman on earth. He suffered and died for the sins of the elect and the elect. And only those elect, those that the Father chose, those that the Son died for, they shall be saved. They shall be. Everyone for whom Christ died will be saved. I know that because the Son of God is not a failure. Everybody, he That's why I know he didn't die for the sins of of all men and all women because hell's full of people now. They wouldn't be there if Christ died for them because their sin would be put away. Christ saved everyone he intended to save. And those people he intended to save are God's elect, those that the Father gave him. The scriptures also declare that the Holy Spirit is going to come in power. He's going to give life and faith to God's elect. He's going to do it through the preaching of Christ, by the preaching of the gospel. Those elect, they will hear, and they will believe. They'll believe on Christ. I know they will because God's going to see to it. God's going to see to it. He's going to make it happen. And God's going to keep those people and preserve those people by the power of His grace through faith. Now that's the truth from Scripture of how God saves sinners. I would venture to say everybody here has heard that truth preached many, many times. Now with that backdrop, God's electing love for His people. Here's what I want us to take home with us from the message tonight. I don't want any of us to ever think That God's election means you cannot come to Christ begging for mercy and be saved. Don't ever think that God's election means that some people will want to be saved on God's terms, but they can't because they find out they're not one of God's elect. God didn't choose them. You won't find that anywhere in Scripture. Not one place. That is a lie that the enemies of Christ had made up so that men will continue trusting in their own works. So they have something that they think they can take some credit for. The Lord Jesus did not come to close the way of God 
for anyone. He didn't have to do that. Adam had already done that for us by his rebellion in the garden. Christ came into the world to open the way of salvation. He didn't come to close it up for the non-elect. He came to open the way of salvation for every sinner who needs saving. I've said this before, and let me say it again in case anybody didn't hear it the first time or in case they forgot it. The issue for you and me is not to find out whether we're one of the, one of the elect because we'll never come to Christ finding out we're one of the elect. The issue for you and me to find out is this, am I a sinner? Now you can find that out. Am I a sinner? If you're a sinner, come to Christ. Because what does the scripture say? Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. Now if you're a sinner, you come to Christ. You'll find out soon enough he drew you. You'll find out soon enough that he chose you first and he was drawing you with his everlasting love. But you're not going to find that out until after you come to Christ for salvation. Christ didn't come to close the way of salvation for anybody. He came to open a fountain for sin and for uncleanness so that sinners can be washed in his blood, be accepted by the Father. Now the way of salvation is open. And if you and I don't come to Christ, we'll be damned and it will be all our own fault. It will not be God's fault. God opened the way. We just refused to come. Isn't that what the Lord told the Pharisees? You will not come unto me. You refuse. You will not come unto me that you might have life. Nobody in hell will ever blame God for being there. They won't be able to do it. But if we do come to Christ, Gary, that's going to be all God's doing, isn't it? Well, that's going to be all God's doing. If we come to Christ for salvation, it's because the Father chose us. It's because the Son died for us and the Spirit drew us to Christ. That's all God's doing. And God does that for His people because Christ came and opened the way of salvation. Once Christ opened the way, there's nothing stopping any sinner from coming directly to Christ. Not one thing. Now that's what I want us to take home from this message tonight. The title of the message is Joseph Opened the Storehouses. Joseph is a picture of Christ opening the storehouses of salvation for his people. And I have four points I want us to see. See Christ opening the storehouses of salvation. Number one is this. Joseph opened the storehouses sovereignly. Verse 55 of Genesis 41, and when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt, and all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all the land. Now when Joseph opened the storehouses, he opened those storehouses sovereignly. He opened the storehouses right when they should have been opened. He didn't open them a day early, and he didn't open them a day late. And the decision as to when to open all those storehouses was all up to Joseph. It was all Joseph's decision. 
It had to be that way. It should have been that way, shouldn't it? Because Joseph was the only man fit to make the decision. Look back earlier in chapter 41, verse 33. This is where all this came about. Uh, Joseph has told Pharaoh what, what his dreams mean, what's going to come to pass. And he says, now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. And that food shall be for store to the land against the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt that the land perish not through the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, that's a good idea. In the eyes of all his servants, they said, that's a good idea. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this is? A man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house. And according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Now everybody knew that Joseph was the only fit man. So it's only right that he make the decisions. He sovereignly decided when it was time to open the storehouses. Now that is such a good picture of Christ our Savior. He's sovereign in all things. The Father has put everything in his hand. The Father put the Son in charge of everything. Now, since he's in charge of everything, that means he's sovereign in salvation, doesn't it? So it's Christ who opens the storehouses of salvation to whom and, and when he will. D- the decision of who will be saved and when they'll be saved is not up to us. It's all up to the choice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one in charge. That's what the Lord told Nebuchadnezzar. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to learn this. The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and he giveth it to whomsoever he will. And the same thing is true of salvation. The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and he giveth salvation to whomsoever he will. See, it's only right that Joseph be the one to decide when to open the storehouses. He's the one that filled them. By the same token, it's only right that the Lord Jesus Christ opened the storehouses of salvation to whom he will. He's the one that filled them. He's the one that earned salvation by his obedience. He's the one that bought redemption for his people by the blood of his sacrifice. It's only right that he open up those storehouses of salvation to whom he will. Now, I know the natural man does not like that. The natural man feels like, well, I deserve a, a chance. You know, I bet some Egyptians didn't like Pharaoh being, or Joseph being charged this thing either, don't you reckon? I don't know when the hatred of the Jews began, but I got a good hint of it here. Look at uh, Genesis 39. Remember when Joseph was working in, in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife wanted him to commit adultery with her and, and she wouldn't? He escaped from, you know, and left his, his cloak there in her hand. She escaped. And verse 14. Then she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See he, Potiphar, my husband, he hath brought in a Hebrew unto us, 
to mock us. Don't you know when she said Hebrew, she just practically spit out the word this Hebrew. Well, sometime later, at least nine years later, Potiphar's wife had to go to Joseph to get corn. And I'm just betting you, human nature being what it is, she didn't like it. She didn't like having to go to that Hebrew to get bread. Maybe she said, I know Pharaoh. I mean, my husband works with the guy. I know Pharaoh. She'd go to him and say, Pharaoh, why can't I get bread from you? Why do I got to go to this Hebrew? It's because Joseph opened the storehouses by royal decree. That's a fancy way of saying because Pharaoh said so. You had to go to Joseph. Joseph is the one to open the storehouses because Pharaoh said so. And again, I know the natural man does not like having to depend on Christ for all of our salvation. The natural man doesn't like having to go to Christ and beg for mercy, beg for salvation. We don't like being in the hand of Christ that he can do with us as he pleases. But that's the way it is by royal decree. That's the way it is because God said so. God said so. It pleased the Father to put all of salvation, to put all of righteousness, to put all of mercy, all of grace, all of life, all of forgiveness, all of acceptance. He put it all in his son. Now, if you would be saved, go to Christ because God said so. Because God said so. Now, here is the wonderful thing about God's salvation. The father did not put all salvation into his son so that his son could play keep away with it and keep people from getting it. That's not why the father did that. The father put all of salvation into his son so that the son would open the storehouses of salvation and mercy and grace for every sinner that needs it. That's why the Father put it all in Christ. The Father didn't elect the people to keep the non-elect out, to keep the non-elect from being saved. The Father elected the people because that's the only way anybody's going to be saved. They're going to be saved in Christ. And Christ has come and opened the storehouses of God's salvation to sinners. Now let that sink in for a second. He's opened the storehouses of salvation for sinners. Are you a sinner? See, that, that, that's the question, isn't it? Are you a sinner? Then go to Christ. He's the one who can open the storehouses of salvation for you. All right, number two. Joseph opened the storehouses wisely. Now, Joseph was the one who knew there's going to be seven years of plenty. And during those seven years of plenty, Joseph was very wise. He gathered up corn. He gathered up so much corn in those seven years, he gave up trying to count it all. It was just without number. And he kept, he did that wisely. Now in year five, after they had four years of bumper crop, Joseph didn't say, boys, we got so much grain in all these storehouses. Let's just take a whole year off and just party all year long and live off the plenty that we've got, you know, saved up and, and we'll plan again next year. Let's just take a year long vacation and whoop it up because we've had these, these four years of plenty. He didn't say that. That would have been very foolish, wouldn't it? Joseph filled the storehouses wisely. As long as there was plenty, he kept 
filling those storehouses. And when it came time, Joseph opened the storehouses wisely. He waited until the famine was over all the face of the earth. And when all the cupboards were bare and all the people were hungry, that's when Joseph opened the storehouses. He opened them when there was a need. And see, there had to be a famine. There's got to be a famine first. I know we don't like it. The feeling of a famine is horrible, but it's got to come. There's got to be a famine before we'll ever come back for bread. Isn't that right? Well, Joseph was wise to wait and open the storehouses when there was a need. Now, I know you see the picture here. Everybody in the whole earth is in a spiritual famine. We're just a, a, a spiritual famine, desert wasteland just in ourselves. We're all just we're dead and we got nothing in us. I know most people don't know they're in a spiritual famine, but we are. And if God's ever going to save us, he's going to show us we're in a spiritual famine. He's going to show us we're empty. We're going to need, we're, we're needy. The Lord Jesus Christ opens the storehouses of God's grace and God's salvation wisely. He only opens it when there's a famine, when there's a need. Now, if you're a needy, empty, guilty sinner, I'll tell you what to do. Come to Christ and beg him for mercy. He's the one who can open the storehouses. He's so wise. Our Savior is so wise. He opens the storehouses of salvation every single time there's a need. Every time. You scan through scripture. You'll never find Joseph turning a hungry person away empty. Not one time. You scour scripture. You'll never read one time of the Lord Jesus Christ sending away a guilty sinner and sending him away without forgiveness and without mercy. Not once. He opens the storehouses wisely every time there's a need. See, and the reason that Joseph could wisely open the storehouses is he wisely stored up enough food for the people during the famine. Well, during his earthly ministry, his life as a man, the Lord Jesus wisely earned righteousness. He obeyed the law every second of his life. And he wisely earned a righteousness. He earned a righteousness that is so so bountiful, so perfect that it makes every guilty sinner who needs it righteous because he stored it up for them. The blood of Christ was wisely shed. His blood is enough to redeem every guilty sinner that needs it. His blood is enough to wash every filthy sinner who needs it. So again, the question is this, are you a lost sinner that needs to be saved? Are you a guilty sinner that needs to be forgiven? Now that's the issue. Are you? Well, if you are, come to Christ and beg him to wisely open the storehouses of God's grace and give you just exactly what you need. All right, here's the third thing. And this goes very closely with the second point. Joseph opened the storehouses graciously. Now Joseph wisely opened the storehouses when there was a need. But he also graciously opened the storehouses. When did Joseph open the storehouses? 
when there was hungry, needy people. That's when he opened the storehouses. Now I'm sure Joseph is, uh, I don't know what the right word is, far less petty, far less vindictive, far less self-righteous, whatever it is to me. But, you know, it would have crossed my mind. You know, you guys could have saved up enough grain during the seven years of plenty. I mean, you could have. You didn't, but you could have. I mean, don't you just think that most people in the land of Egypt, at any rate, heard, hey, there's going to be seven years of plenty. This Hebrew Joseph told us there's going to be seven years of plenty. Sure enough, we're having all these years of plenty. And then he told us, said after that, there's going to be seven years of dearth and famine. Maybe we'd be smart to save up some corn. But they didn't do it, did they? They didn't do it. But Joseph did. Joseph did. And when they were hungry, and they were needy, and they were desperate, Joseph graciously opened the storehouses as a picture of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ graciously opens the storehouses of salvation. He does it graciously to needy sinners. He never beats them up for their sin. He never shames them for their sin. He opens the storehouses freely, without, without restriction, without uh, um, you know, certain conditions for you to meet. That's grace. That's grace. You and I have broken God's law. We have rebelled against God and we have refused. I know we can't, but we've also refused to do anything right. We don't have anything that God requires of us. But Christ does. He does. And he opens the storehouses of salvation freely to everybody who's in need. And Joseph was so gracious. He didn't just do this for local folks. He did this for people that came from every other country, all around. They came into Egypt to buy corn, and Joseph sold it to them. Joseph made sure they left with plenty of corn. Now that's gracious, isn't it? Not just taking care, you know, of us here, but people in every nation. All, of, all, if, all if there's somebody in need, Joseph, let's give them some corn. Let's get some corn in their sacks. Now, isn't that a good picture of Christ? He didn't come just to save a few Jews, a few natural descendants of Abraham. By his blood, the Lord Jesus Christ redeemed a people out of every kindred, every tongue, every people, and every nation. I tell you, that doesn't sound to me like a Savior who's trying to exclude people, does it? From every nation, from every tongue, from every tribe, from every kindred. He came to open salvation for everybody. No, I don't care what your skin color, what your background, what your nationality. He came to open the way of salvation for everybody that needs it. Now come begging for mercy. Didn't they just obvious come beg him? Lord, you said you came to save sinners. Well, I'm a sinner. Save me. Open the storehouses of salvation for me. I know I don't deserve it, but the point is you open those storehouses of salvation graciously. Graciously. I tell you, our God is so gracious. He is so gracious. He knows our frame. He knows what we're like. He knows our weaknesses. 
So you don't find God inviting sinners to come to the storehouse. God didn't invite anybody. He's so gracious, he commands it. He commands it. His commandment is come and beg for mercy. Now, what are you waiting on? Huh? If God commands you to come beg for mercy, you reckon he's going to turn you away if you come? Huh? Beg him for mercy. God tells us to come beg him for mercy. And we don't go beg for mercy for a man who's unjust, who's mean, who's hard. He's a hard-hearted gatekeeper. Don't, don't you hate when, boy, you need to you, you, working through the government system or healthcare system, whatever it is, and you run across a gatekeeper and it's just, you know, they have the power to keep you out, so boy, they're going to do it. Don't you hate that? I mean, I hate that. We don't come beg for mercy to a gatekeeper. We come beg mercy from the man who came to open the storehouses. He came to open the storehouses of grace, not keep them shut. Now, isn't that merciful? Isn't that gracious? That makes me want to come to him, begging him for mercy. Oh, what a heart for needy sinners he has. That's his character. That makes me want to come to him, doesn't it, you? All right, here's the last thing. When Joseph opened the storehouses, he glorified Pharaoh. Now, we won't read about uh, through all this. I'll just tell you what happened. You can read it later for yourself if you want. Genesis chapter 47. But here's what happened. Joseph sold grain to the Egyptians. Now, he didn't give it away for free. You know, he sold it, which, you know, would only be right. But I point all that out to say this. Isn't Christ better in the picture? He's not selling selling you salvation. He's not. You, you don't have to give him something in return. He gives it freely. Christ is always better than the picture. Always. But, you know, the uh, for the way it was with him working for Pharaoh, he sold corn to, to everybody who came. And Joseph took that money and he deposited it in Pharaoh's bank account. Well, for too long, everybody had given Joseph all of their money. Every bit of money that there was in the land of Egypt was in Pharaoh's bank account because the people spent it all to buy food. Well, when that happened, now they're hungry. They need food. They don't have it. They, I can't pay anything. Joseph already gave you all my money. You, th- I mean, how how big and how rich is the land of Egypt? And every bit of money, every coin, every bit of money in that country was in Pharaoh's bank account. I mean, you think of that. Well, people still needed food. So Joseph said, well, give me your flocks. Give me all your cattle and all your sheep and all your goats and all your you know animals and give those to me in exchange for, for food. They said, all right, we'll do that. Now Pharaoh owns all the animals too. All the herds, he owns them all. Well, now the flocks are gone. The people are still hungry. And Joseph said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll trade your land for food. And they traded land for food. Well, now Pharaoh had all the money. He had all the flocks and he had all the land in the land of Egypt. He owned it all. All because Joseph managed this thing for him. He became wildly 
wealthy. By the way Joseph handled this thing, he glorified. He enriched Pharaoh, didn't he? By the way he opened the storehouses. Well, here's the picture, and this is a very important thing for us to understand. The Lord Jesus Christ redeemed his people in such a way that God is glorified. May not get any of the glory, and God gets it all. Tell you how we see God's glory. It's in the way that Christ saves sinners. In Christ, we see the wisdom of God. God is so wise. It's by the sacrifice of the substitute. God can be both just and still justify the ungodly. That's so wise. Nobody but God ever could have conceived such a way of salvation. That's God's wisdom. He made the substitute guilty and killed him for it. Gave us his righteousness and gave us life for it. That's God's wisdom. In Christ we see the grace of salvation. Oh, what what grace. The depths of grace that the Son of God would suffer for the sin of people like you and me. I mean, it's just more gracious and more amazing than the human mind can comprehend. He suffered what sinners deserve. And sinners receive what Christ earned. Now that's grace, isn't it? In Christ we see the security of salvation. Salvation is secure because it's based on Christ, not me. Well, I like it that way. That All of that glorifies God. It shows us the glory of God. Now you might wonder, well, if I come to Christ and beg for mercy, beg Him to open the storehouses of grace for me, will He do it? He will if he can get all the glory for doing it. He's not going to share his glory with you. But if you've got nothing so that he gets all the glory for saving you, he'll save you. He always saves his people in such a way that glorifies God. Now there's no question. Salvation. That's something good Christ did for you and me. That's something good he did for his people. I mean, I'm so thankful for it. But I tell you the reason he did it wasn't just to be good to you and me. The reason he did it is to glorify his father. He saves his people in such a way that God is glorified for it. That's the reason sinners are saved. It's for God's glory. And in closing, I want to tell you the same thing that Pharaoh told all those hungry people that came to him at that time looking for food. Pharaoh said, go to Joseph. Go to that type of Christ. I have the great blessing, great privilege to be able to tell you, go to Christ. Don't go to a picture. Go to Christ. He's the real McCoy. He is the savior of sinners. Now go to Christ. Go to him. Beg him to open the storehouses of salvation for you. Go to Christ. Don't go anywhere else. Don't go to Christ plus your decision. Christ plus your aisle walking. Christ plus your doctrine. Christ plus your knowledge. Christ. Go to Christ and Christ alone. And stay right there. Stay right there. Don't ever graduate beyond needing Christ to be your own. The way is open. Christ has opened 
the storehouses. He's opened the way. He is the way and he's the one that opened the way. Now go to him. Go to him. And go to him right now. Go to him right now. I told the folks in Cottageville, I believe it was Sunday, I talked about one time I was here, I think it was a, a Wednesday night, Brother Don Fortner was coming through. And like I do with all our visiting preachers, I announced them. Don certainly didn't need any introduction here, did he? But but I, I liked introducing him. I said the, something about Don's preaching that I love, and I, I try to emulate this. I could tell when he's preaching that he wants me to come to Christ. And I appreciate that. I appreciate a man who's not just giving up giving a, you know, a lecture and he don't care whether I believe it or not. He wanted me to come to Christ. I just always appreciate that by his preaching. He was sitting right there. And that big booming voice came out after I said that. He said, I want you to come right now. <laughs> That's what I'm telling us. Come right now. The way's open. Why won't we come? All right, let's bow together. Our Father, oh, how we thank you that you condescend to come where we are and to fill the storehouses of grace and then to open them to your people freely. And Father, I pray you would draw each and every one of us to your Son. Draw us to Christ. Cause us to need him and run to him. And then stand in awe at how graciously he opens the storehouses for such a rebellious sinner like I am. Father, how we thank you. Bless your word, Father. Bless it for your glory. Enable us to, to see more of the glory of our God through the preaching of your word tonight. Father, it's in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For his sake and his glory we pray. Amen. All right, Sean.